With Viserys mouth. Yeah, with Viserys. Yeah. He did have Viserys mouth. Doctor, I've got something going on here where you can see my teeth through my face. Oh, that's Viserys yeah. mouth. <laughs> Get the leeches. Hello, and welcome to It's Not TV. It's a podcast. I'm Nicole, and along with me is David. Hello, hello. Welcome back to season three of It's Not TV. This season, we are covering each episode of House of the Dragon on the pod as they air. Friendly spoiler warning, we will be covering the current episode as well as any that have aired previously. Spoilers for the Game of Thrones show and books are all fair game. If you do not want to know how many arsonists you can buy showing off your feet, consider yourself warned. That said, we will not be spoiling the ending of House of the Dragon. If you want to know, go read Fire and Blood or your favorite Reddit thread. All right, the Green Council. The time jump, how far do we move? Just like a few hours. Yeah. Like this takes place the next day. I think this is our tightest between episodes. It feels like we picked up just where we left off. Mm-hmm. Viserys was uh, the, uh, my love. And then the little boy comes in and like changes diaper or whatever. And is like, oh shit, he's dead. Nicole, walk us through what happened. Alicent learns the king has passed. So has Masaria. The council is assembled and reveal their plan to usurp Princess Rhaenyra. Sir Kristen gives Beesbury's loyalty a final resting place and ensues oh. on a hunt with Aemon to find missing Aegon. Alicent grapples with the gravity of what King Viserys' perceived dying wishes mean for Princess Rhaenyra and is racing to gain control of her house before Otto. Alicent exchanges words with Rhaenys and currency with Laris <laughs> and orders him to burn the white worm. Otto has sent his own hunting party out for the missing prince. Sirs Cargyle have a differing opinion of what makes a good ruler and once Masaria gives up Aegon's location to Otto, Sir Eric abandons his brother in a fight with Sir Criston to possess Aegon and goes back to the castle to release an imprisoned Princess Rhaenys. Sir Otto gathers the lords and ladies of the houses of Westeros and gives the king's justice to all who didn't bend the knee. Princess Rhaenys shows that just because you can doesn't mean you should. So did you like it? I loved this episode. Any Game of Thrones episode that you open up with Raman Dawadi playing a panano. And you're looking at spooky rooms. I'm in. That could be a whole 60 minutes of television for me. You never see that show. My wife watches this on like Discovery America. It's like Aerial America. And it's literally just like pictures from a blimp and a guy going in Kansas City. The longest bridge is over 300 feet. Long. No, I've never seen this show. OK, if you would watch it. I would say to add Raman Dawadi music to it. And it'd be so fucking compelling. You're like, show me that cornfield. Show me that cornfield. Yeah. No, if like, I can't smell it like I can on Disney, then yeah. <laughs> I'm not interested in flying over. Yeah. So the mood got set for me. It, we, we talked a lot in our previous episodes about Game of Thrones and about the Light of the Seven song uh, that Raman Dawadi did, where we watched Cersei's plans to blow up the Sept. I got similar vibes in the first few minutes of this episode mm. that we were setting up machinations that were in play uh, once he died. I thought that 
that tension persisted throughout. I think we're on a pretty good roll lately. I know that there are viewers out there that for different reasons need a sip of Damon to really make the episode sing for them. <laughs> but this is exactly the kind of stuff I've personally been waiting for. Feeling the trepidation of the 24 hours with Allison having some of her most forgiving and damning moments that we've seen on the show. I think there's something to be said for how much time we got to spend with her. And we have previously guessed at motivations for characters. And I thought this was an episode that really let us explore that. Yeah, that's a good call. Especially with her. And I thought it was great. It was great to really understand. I got a really clear sense of where Allison's head is. All right, well, let's break down the episode. Let's start with Allison Hightower, who essentially becomes our protagonist in the Greens Only episode. In the beginning of the episode, Allison learns her husband is dead. And then she learns that her father and the small council already have a coup planned. Now that we know Allison wasn't in on the coup, do we feel more sympathetic toward her? Does this confirm how little power she had all these years? Yeah, so I definitely felt sympathy for her in this, and I felt like she was grieving. I thought that while she was grieving, she was surprised to find out that everyone else in the room, it seems, had already discussed what would be done here. And it felt similar to when Rhaenyra was complaining about not having a seat at the council and not being consulted. I felt like there's this, oh, all of the men have been talking about this. Don't let delicate Alicent in on the discussion. I think it's a it's a good shorthand for the episode for us to kind of mm -hmm. rush past yeah. that. But clearly that happened at some point and they all left her out. She's looking at it from a wife who goes like, oof, he died. What should we do? And everyone's like, we've been planning this for a while. Fuck that guy. Listen, here's what we're going to do. Well, many on the Internet have described this as two means to the same end. So mm -hmm. maybe it indicates her use as a pawn. But for me... This episode was more of a confirmation that she truly feels like what she's fighting for, what she believes in. And it now it is at least trying to convince herself that King Viserys was on the same page in the end. I think the justification comes from religion. It comes from her husband. I think that King Viserys is kind of a blanket of protection mm -hmm. for everyone while he's alive. Okay. Yeah. I do think it's naive of her in the state that her husband was in, not to think that people were already thinking when he dies, something has to happen. I think, yeah, the interesting thing there is, is their plans are immediately like, let's murder Rhaenyra and her kids yeah. and like, womp womp, we have to do it. They seem to like present some element of sympathy to it, but it's kind of like matter of fact, like, well, we have to do this because this is the thing. And I think it's Jason Lannister who asks Allison, like, okay, well, what do you suggest? What's your plan? And she doesn't really have any ideas. Do you think this is the right move by the small council? Do you think they're right that for Aegon to be on the throne successfully and to maybe avoid war, they need to kill Rhaenyra and her children? Do you think that's the right, that they're correct in that logic? I think we need to have a little bit of sympathy for the inability to come up with immediate ideas when you're dealing with a death of someone <laughs> so yeah, immediately yeah. <laughs> to be expected to ideate. I mean, the better idea here is obviously not to usurp Princess Rainier's crown. Like, well, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Follow the king's wishes. But for, yeah. for the most part, Allison, I, I think she's working through this notion most of the episode. Like, what can I do mm -hmm. to protect the princess? And I think this is the moment when she says it out loud and it hits for her. Like she's working through most of the episode, but it hits right here when it's said out loud. King Viserys 
would know that this kills his daughter in the, in the way things go. Yeah. Why the fuck would he do that? He wouldn't. <laughs> she knows it. No. I love her, but uh, make that piece of shit king because it's what's best for the realm. That's a really good point because she she tells everyone, well, this is what he wanted. And that means they have to kill Rhaenyra. Like it, it ha- that's exactly what it means. And then she says, well, I mean, but don't do it. But what you just said means it has to happen. Otto even says to her, so what would you have us do? Well, let's take terms to her, but they'll never bend the knee. No. (laughs) No, no. And she knows that. She knows that. I think it shows good conflict in her. To your point, in this moment, she doesn't have a plan yet. No. And maybe that's naive of her not to have thought of one. So what I think here is her plan up until dinner, up until dinner was I'm going to back Rhaenyra when shit goes down. Like we're going to when 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 King V dies, I'm going to back Rhaenyra. And then when he does that whisper at the end uh, that we'll talk about a little bit later, she she goes, well, maybe not. And then when she sees the whole council's already flipped, I think the reason the real reason she doesn't have a plan is because she doesn't like the outcome of this plan, which is having to kill her best friend. And her best friend's children, former best friend. Every time that someone discusses the king, well, this is what the king wanted. They hit her with the camera. Like, she's just like, uh, maybe I read that email wrong. <laughs> yeah, did I? Did I? Let me go re- proofread that one. Do you think if the situation was reversed and let's say that Rhaenyra was the first one to find out about his death and was the first, you know, the, the Black Council, theoretically, was the first to find out, do you think that? She would consider killing Alicent and Aegon and Aemond and Helena. Oh, um, so I think if the roles were reversed, like completely, I believe that the story would be fairly sim- similar to what it is now. Reluctance to do Correct. it, but ultimately, yeah. Okay, I think yeah. I don't know if she would have gone the religious route, but I do think the story would be fairly similar. Okay. Do you think yeah. that Rhaenyra would bat an eye? I think she would. I think Damon wouldn't. Mm. I think Damon would love it if she was like, hey, we have to take out Allison. I think he'd he'd treat her as if she were showing him her feet. Oh, my God. Too soon. We're not over it yet. Right. We have recovered. I am not over it. I'm never want to know it again. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But no, I think she and her children would have been very hesitant to call for the death of Allison and her kids, even despite maybe the children not liking them. I think Damon would have fucking loved it. I think you're right. Ultimately, they would have all made the same decisions. They may have struggled with the decision a little bit more, but I think they would have gone down the same path. So the last episode, Allison and Rhaenyra seemed to be getting along, and Allison even said she'd make a good queen. Um, so we talked a, a little bit about that toast and that reunion uh, a, a few minutes ago. We'll talk more about the coup in a minute. But if Otto didn't have a plan in place, do we think Allison would still have crowned Aegon? Oh, good question. Uh, I'm torn on this one. I think Allison was in a, a moment of decision. I think Allison... Yesterday at like dinner, Allison found a way to think Rhaenyra was going to be queen. And by nighttime, talking to her husband, thinking, no, maybe I have to put Aegon. And then she had a good night's sleep. So I don't know where she woke up. But 
I think Allison is being swept up in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think Allison would have leaned to whatever the council leaned towards. Yeah. I think if Allison came into the throne room and Otto had said, listen, King Viserys is dead. We need to make a call to Rhaenyra <laughs> and get her back so we could crown her for the good of the nation. I think Allison would have went along. Alternately. Yeah. She shows up at the council and Otto says, we got to crown Aegon. And she went along. She's arguing the the details, but she's not arguing the broad strokes of what the council wants. So I think I think she's being swayed heavily by the council here. And I think she's going along with it. And she's using, well, he did tell me right before he died as like the go along reason. Yes. Alternately, if Otto for some instances in Otto. But if Otto had alternately said, hey, listen, we need to crown Rhaenyra, she would have been like, okay, good. We made peace with her at dinner. I think she would have found both ways. Uh, what about you? Do you think she's leaning towards Aegon after the night she had the night before? I, I think we have to remember that she spent the last 10 plus years advocating to do nothing but tarnish Rhaenyra. I, she did not need much from yeah, Viserys yeah. to overturn a toast. That's true. Um, That's true. She's been trying to sway King Viserys against his daughter for years. But I think that deep down, she knows that the king doesn't want, would not have ordered his daughter's death. Correct. Let's just think about how he even got here. Mm -hmm. I want to know if you heard what King Viserys said, could you even logically presume He's effectively undoing his last act as king. I'm going to read. Okay. Ready? And these are just his sides of the conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you wanted to know if I believed it to be true. Don't you remember Aegon? His dream? The Song of Ice and... It is true. What he saw in the north. The prince that was promised. The prince. To unite the realm against the cold and the dark. It is you. You are the one. You must do this. You must do this. Whew, okay. First off, excellent performance. I would have went more wizened old man. I'm sorry. I wasn't going to even. Like trying like, to trying to send back soup in a deli. Patty gave me some big shoes to fill. I think, yeah. Listen, if, if there's a mini Emmy, like a little one. No. We could give it to you. Maybe just the club foot of the statue. I think that my gut is no. But that's also because I know it's absurd and I know the real meaning. When I look at this stuff, the thing that I think stands out that backs Allison's misunderstanding, all of us know the true story. So it's it's hard to like watch a game of telephone go wrong when you knew the beginning. Yeah. You're like, of course it they fucked it up. But if you didn't know the word, it may be different. I think the thing is when I look at these words, the things that I think to play devil's advocate for Allison, he says the prince that was promised, the prince, not the princess. So from Allison's perspective, he can't be talking about Rhaenyra. He has to be talking about a man. And he does use the word Aegon. So if I'm Allison, I'm trying to make sense of this. Song of Ice and Thigh doesn't make any sense to me. Why would he say, Allison, you wanted to know if I believed it to be true? Wouldn't she know if she had asked him something? <laughs> yeah, but he's an old man. I think what she's doing is- This is silly. <laughs> It's silly that she even... I agree. I don't know. Whatever. I would say, though, 
if you think to yourself, is he because clearly he hasn't been all there for a while. Right. Maybe she's saying this is his last moment of clarity. And in his last moment of clarity, he said the word Aegon. Yeah. He said the word Prince twice. There is only one Prince Aegon that she for all we know, she doesn't even know that other fucking kid's name was Aegon. We didn't see her meet the kid. She might not even know there's an Aegon the third. Yeah, the younger. So I can see and I am I am stretching here. I am stretching all logic yeah. to find her realm here. That's the only way I can find it. Yeah. Is that she's saying, hey, he tried to tell me right before he died. It's Aegon and he's a prince. But again, I am stretching a lot of logic to make this work. I think I think you're right. I think the only way to interpret this as it being about Aegon is you wanting desperately for your husband to make it about Aegon. So she gets her hands on Aegon, the prince. Yes. She confronts Otto. Shit gets real. <laughs> she tells him she knows she's always been his pawn and, and he doesn't deny it. Yeah. Major Damon move there for all you Damon missers. Um, and even calls Alicent the king's daughter's childhood companion. Yeah. How does Alicent, knowing her dad is a piece of shit, <laughs> change their relationship going forward? I think it's a sliding scale, actually. I think that Otto, compared to most men in Westeros, is probably on, like, the good side. Like, he says to her at one point, like, I made you queen. Like, it could have been worse. But I think that's a really fucked up sliding scale. I think probably most of the dads in Westeros are pieces of shit. And Otto is more manipulative than all of those pieces of shit. But he did give her a pretty good life. I'd be shocked if Alicent doesn't try to take more agency. I think her even talking to Laris afterwards and Laris sort of pointing out like, hey, Otto let some shit slide. And she's like, okay, well, what do we need to do about it? I think as her taking agency, I think twice this episode, we saw her doing things that she knew Otto would disapprove of. The first is, trying to get Aegon. The second is taking care of the spy network or letting Laris take care of the spy network that she knows her father let go. So I foresee more of that going forward. I foresee more yeah. of her picking little battles. Do you feel like those two examples, this episode are starting a trend that she's going to fight back or do you just think they're blips in, and that he's still going to control her? I think she's known who he is. I think what happens here is now he knows she knows and saying it out loud means he plays it differently. Mm. For her, I think the biggest change in this episode is now the responsibility that will come from the, all the moves not being able to be blamed on Otto. She can no longer go, oh, okay. my father is making this happen, making me do this. Like I was put in this position. Now it is, I have made these decisions and now she has to own those decisions and the consequences. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. His major gripe with her, though, in this episode is that she's too squeamish because she doesn't want to kill Rhaenyra. Uh, he says that this is like bad for her. And she yells, which I think is a, a fair line, is reluctance to murder is not a weakness. I think we can all agree with that fundamentally in a moral world. But in Westeros with dragons who are about to like have a civil war, do you think she's right that she can put her son at on the throne with the crown and still avoid having to murder people? Do you think she could have it both ways? I don't know what fucked up thing she's telling herself that anything that she puts together in communication with Rhaenyra is going to smooth things over. I think, yeah. I think the act of doing it is the mercy she's looking for. At least I gave mm. them the opportunity 
instead of just okay. like murders okay. in the night. And I think she's just asking for the opportunity. Okay, I see that. Yeah, and that that probably helps clean the conscious a little bit. I tried <laughs> to let her bend the knee, right? Yeah. Alison, queen of the conscious. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I see that. And I, I think we've all done that at some point in our lives where we're like, well, we know this fucked up thing's going to happen, but I gave him a chance. Yeah. So when the only real politician in Westeros, Lord Beesbury, says, um, this is treason. Sir Kristen slams his head into the tiny, small council ball and he dies. Do you think Kristen was trying to kill him? Or is he just an unhinged piece of shit, just murdering people because he can? So Kristen Cole, first off, is an unhinged piece of shit. And I think that goes without saying. He is a fugly little bitch uh, and cannot be trusted. Um, he's not ugly. Well, that's true. But he's a good looking man. <laughs> he's very good. Um, yeah, I think I don't think he was trying to kill Beesbury. Hmm, OK, I also don't think he gave a flying fuck that he did. I don't think it was a Correct. remorseful. Correct. I think it was like when you step on a bug. You're like, oh, well, that happened. I tried to let you outside, <laughs> spider. Now you got smushed. Yeah. So I don't think so. Uh, your attraction to Kristen Cole aside. <laughs> To Fabian Frankel. To Fabian Frankel. Um, so I do find it interesting that Allison looks at her father's frivolous murder of Rhaenyra in the night as bad, but Kristen can just openly murder people right in front of her very eyes. And <laughs> yeah. he's, it's cool. Yeah. He says, sit down. Maybe he just didn't know his own strength, you know? <laughs> I think it's more the fact that no one even cared. Like, yeah. no one cared that Beesbury died. Like, does this guy have a family? Don't they have to tell them? What are they going to say? He tripped? Yeah, I would hate it if there's not some sort of fallout from his murder and then some of the other lords later who are captured, um, one of which is hung after he tries to escape. Uh, I, and I think that's part of what I hope will fuel the blacks. You think the other two just went into like the prison with the other s servants that knew that they were just trying to prevent them from telling anyone? Yeah. Okay. In the book, there's a whole lot of people. And again, uh, the show has clearly made some some changes. distinctions uh, from the book. Okay. Yeah. And some changes. But in, in the book, a lot of servants and lords and minor house people keep getting locked up and then unlocked up as the story goes on. But I do think it's weird. I think like. Okay, assume you're on the council, Nicole. You are the master of coin, the master of ships. How many murders do you think you've seen over the course of being in the council? I mean, typically the leaders, the decision makers don't see any of the murders. They just call for the murders. Sir Kristen is the one that brings it to the front row. Yeah. So you think you think part of no one reacting is like, holy shit, someone. I will say I say no one reacting. That being said, I love my boy Lannister, who is like, I am. Heep. He just went back into the Homer Simpson bushes. I think it's completely self-preservation. We've talked about this before. Like, yeah, yeah. These people are doing whatever it takes to remain at the table, even sitting next to a bleeding head. Yeah. Yeah. And then he he moved out of the way when uh, when Sir Harold asks Kristen to resign. And then when they're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Sir Harold's like, then I'm resigning. Like, this is mm -hmm. I answer to the king. There's no king in this room. I don't recall him being a significant character in the books at all. I would love it as sort of a penance for what happened uh, with Sir Barristan Salmi if if he gets to kick some ass. Because one oh. of my great regrets is that in the Game of Thrones books, Sir Barristan Salmi is still very much alive and is still very much kicking ass and is leading Marine and has a series of knights and is fighting off an army 
And in the show, he went out like a bitch because D&D thought it was funny and laughed when the actor complained. Ugh. So I would like to see another member of the Kingsguard get, get a better shot. I would, I, I hope they they invent some cool shit for him to do. And he's a good actor. He, and obviously the, the accent is very welcome. Yeah, Graham McTavish. So he's no longer a member of the Kingsguard because he resigned. But Kristen Cole, who is, is then asked by Allison with her like uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, go find Aegon. But when she does that, she mentions like, oh, the for the love you have of me as your queen. Well, she says the love you have for me as your queen. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. What the fuck is going on with there? her? What's, son what's happening there between the these chair. two? I wondered the Ugh. same thing. I did get like sexy, sexy vibes. Uh, we've been fooled by this before, specifically with Allison and Rhaenyra. Yeah, yeah. I just think this is his rebaptism to the Church of Allison. He he worships her. Mm. She knows it. She's exploiting it. I, I don't think women always have to give up sex to get advantage. This is not the case with all of her baddies, her, her clan of baddies. Uh, as we'll hopefully yeah. very lightly touch on later. But I th- I just think he she knows he's loyal to her. And like I said, I think he his agency died when he put the dagger to his stomach and she was like, so Kristen. So I think that he is her puppet forever. Yeah. Do you think obviously she has connections with with her father, Otto? She had some sort of yeah, control over her husband to a degree. She did influence some of his decisions. Oh, yeah. She has the club foot working for her. Do you think that Kristen is like the ride or die? Like he's got her back no matter what. Yeah, definitely. Where I, I think we get into some some murkier area is with the old club foot. Uh, Laris Strong. Ugh. We were a little unclear on what Laris was up to before. He obviously he benefited from killing his brother and his father because he is now the Lord of Harrenhal. But we weren't really clear if he was trying to like get Allison's vagina. He did like the whole thing with like her flower, like the flower and it, like you'll repay yep. me. And he was like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, creepy. It was very sexual. And then this episode from for his part, he burns down uh, the house of the white worm the signature. Apparently. Yeah. He likes to burn shit down. Um, He also rounds up a whole bunch of the servants mm-hmm. who were talking shit. And he reveals to Allison that he caught her dad. Otto letting letting the servants talk, letting the information trickle out to the white worm because sometimes it served him. So he sort of reveals that to her as well. But it seems like at least in part, she repays him by showing off her feet and him masturbating from a safe uh, covid six foot distance. Did this did this ruin the club foot for us? Did this ruin the club foot for you? Uh, yeah, it took. So I love the club foot in the book, in the book. And in the show so far, I've loved the club foot. Mm. I think he's a little more mustache twirling than he is in the book. Because in the book, there's a lot of like, maybe Clubfoot was involved. And here in the show, they're like, watch Clubfoot definitely kill his dad. So, but I, 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 I think he's an interesting character. I really like him. What I think is interesting about this scene, what it just, okay, ew, let's get that out of the way. Ew, ew, ew. But I do think what's interesting to your point about, you don't have to sleep with someone to sort of get power at them. I think in Westeros, especially in Game of Thrones, that was one of the ways women could get power was, well, I'll just fuck you. And that's the way to do it. I think what Allison here is doing is pretty smart, though. What I feel like is she was able to get Laris to arrest dozens of people to potentially murder a spy to do all of this for her. And all she had to do was show him her feet. That is a very low cost of entry. A lot of people are giving a lot more in Westeros to get a lot less. Compared to $8 cereal? Sure. 
Yes. It's it's outrageous that a woman should have to, to have sex or as a as a point of entry, as a cost of entry. It is also outrageous that a woman should have to show her feet to get information. If you're loyal to me, then you should just do the things because that's what it is. But yes, and if if you're measuring it as, as in this world, yes, sure, fine. Yeah, it's a sliding scale. And I, I get that. But I think I think it teaches us that no one is truly loyal on their own. Yeah. Kristen Cole, to your point, is kind of loyal through guilt. Yeah. She caught him doing something. And so he's embroiled in guilt for her. So his loyalty is based on guilt. If Laris's loyalty is based mm-hmm. on perversion, it's really no different. They have their motivation. Yeah. And it's a, everyone's loyalty is purchased. And so she purchased the loyalty of Laris through this. To what end, though? Right. Kristen's end is restoring his dignity, his oath, yeah. you know, repairing, you know, the, this is all I've ever had. I get to keep it. We don't know to what end for Laris. That's true. Is it truly seeing royal feet? I am assuming that many people don't have the same luxuries as as a queen would and wouldn't have quite <laughs> as nice feet. So That's true. Maybe she does have really nice feet. I'm not in Camp Laris. I think that because he was kind of like pinned as the the little finger, the varus of this portion of the story, um, I want I expected more out of him. I think he just had these big shoes to fill and burning people down. It's just he's just not doing enough to balance the bad for me. Yeah. And to your point about the motivation, is he just a pervert or is this some sort of mind game he's playing with her to a bigger end? Like it's control. And I think it's gross. Yeah. From from where I'm sitting, it's control. It's gross. It's disgusting. I think the interesting thing there is our different take on you think it's her. It's him controlling her. I think it's her controlling him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's her recognizing that she can control him through something as like right. I could imagine her going to her handmaids and go, and all I had to do was show him my feet and he murdered a whole bunch of people. What a fucking idiot. But look at her face when she's sitting there. Like it's, it's se- seemingly oh, in simple, the moment, but she's disgusting. disgusted. Like it is majorly. Unco- everyone should be. She has to listen to his. If he makes zero sounds, at least the freaking rubbing sound like, yeah. No, I, that would haunt me in my sleep. This is disgusting. Yeah. No, I'm trying to put a positive spin on it so it doesn't haunt me. Um, think of the rubbing, David. Think of the rubbing. No, I don't want I don't want to think of that sound effect. Like, no, um, Luke, I will he didn't say even this. take a, a, a spit into his hand. Matt's going to cut this. All right. But that's never. Yeah, he should definitely cut this. This is just we've crossed the line. Yeah. What would her father think? What would her father think? So let's yeah, let's swing over to poor Otto, who hopefully <laughs> Doesn't have any spies left to give him this information about what, what his daughter is up to. Before the cooing happens, <laughs> he seems upset when he's told that King Viserys died. I actually turned to my wife and I was like, he legit looks sad. Do you think that Otto actually felt for King Viserys or cares for anyone? Or do you think the only thing he's in love with is that fucking Iron Throne and getting his daughter on it or his, or his grandson? I think that based on what we know, which is not much, but the speech that Viserys gives when he fires Otto makes it very clear that they had some kind of friendship to some degree. Yeah. But I, I think there's a, maybe a little bit of it in there, but I think he he just knows what has to be done. And he's known what it's ta- it would take. And that as long as the king was alive, 
he could do his bidding without the conflict. And I think mm. more of that weeping is for what's to come, the fights to come, the conflict oh, to come. Like, that's fuck. Yeah. Now, if we if we don't sew this shut, we're fucked. Like, if we don't sew this shut, there's this isn't going to be easy. Yeah, this is sort of the, the like, OK, well, this is what you wanted. And you're like, shit. <laughs> like, oh, man, yeah. I'm not ready now <laughs> for this thing I've been planning yeah. for. But it seemed like he's been planning it a long time. Uh, Lannister is basically like, all right, let's let's kick in the plan, you know, plan coup. Mm -hmm. I don't think we find it surprising that Otto has been playing this with everyone. I think the question is, is the plan any good? I don't think I know the plan. Is it kill Princess Rhaenyra and her kids usurp the throne? Is this the plan that you're that we're examining? I got to assume what goes unmentioned here, because it seems like even when he goes out to some of the lords, it's like they rallied up like which lords are in town. Come and make them bend the knee because obviously, right, we're not seeing a lot of other people, right? There's a lot of major families we know about that are not in the room just based on sigils. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it kind of felt very, very like half ass. If this is the plan, they come to Helena's room looking for Aegon, surprised not to find him. If I'm Otto and my daughter lets me know that the king has passed, I've got a plan where I've already dispatched my my killers. Yeah. My snipers are en route immediately upon this happening because I don't know that I don't have egg on. Yeah. Like yeah. just go kill her. If that's your plan, why isn't it already in motion? This is a terrible plan. They don't have a plan. Yeah. They have an intention, which was not a secret. No, no, everyone <laughs> knew. But when we look at the team in the room, the green council mm -hmm. who seem very cool with killing Rhaenyra, do you think that's because they really want Aegon to be on the crown on the, do you think that's because they really want Aegon to be on the throne? Or do you think that's just they've been whittled down over the last 20 years? I'm like, yeah, she's kind of a bitch. Like, do you think it's like this, like, we got to have Aegon on the on the throne. That's the way it should be. Or do you think, yeah, Otto's been talking about it for 20 years. Sure. That's a good question. If this is like a male versus female thing. Yeah. I got to say, it's it's probably that simple. Yeah. To just say, hey, she's a woman. Yeah, she shouldn't be. She shouldn't be on the on the seat. Yep. Oh, God bless us. Westeros is not that different from us. So let's take a second to figure out why exactly Otto and Allison were having an amazing race to get a strung out Aegon. <laughs> we saw Allison's coronation play out, which seemed like the logical next step. What do you think that Otto was going to do that was different if he got to Aegon first? Something that Westerling said was, I'm a Kingsguard. I serve the king. Until a king is crowned, I'm out. And he sort of walks off in this weird gap period. Like, we all know this from history. It's like, the king is dead. Long live the king. But there's actually like a little bit of gap, right? There's this, this lame duck session. And right now, Westeros is experiencing a lame duck session. They have no ruler until someone is crowned. And so Westerling kind of points that out, I think, as like a dip in the rules. So can anyone actually give the order to murder Rhaenyra? Does anyone actually have the authority? I know they could do it spooky style, but maybe when you're you're killing, you know, a princess, you want to say like, hey, this was authorized by someone actually in charge. Well, if Otto could sit upon the throne when Viserys is in bed, then certainly he would right. have the authority to make a call like that. He could. But then everyone would say that Otto is the one that did it. And Otto had uh, Rhaenyra murdered so that his grandson could sit on the throne. Instead, 
And Otto is a fallible man. He wants the lack of authority. Instead, the king said it. I think that's very different. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I think that Otto wants to get a hold of Aegon is to crown that son of a bitch and get, hey, Aegon, you as the king should have Rhaenyra killed. Because I think it's very different in Westeros for everyone to hear that Otto Hightower had Rhaenyra Targaryen killed. Yep. As opposed to King Aegon yep. had, it's a subtle difference, but I think it's an important one. Excellent. Yep. That's an excellent point. Kristen and Amond, they're trying to find Aegon for the queen, for Allison. So now that we finally spent some time with them, how do we like the Erics? I love the Erics. The Eric and the Auric. The Ricks. Yeah, the, the Ricks. What I found really interesting is it seems that the Greens have switched from hey, we think Aegon should be king because of rules to now going, okay, we've all moved past this. We all agree the rules uh, say Aegon should be king. Now, does this little shit deserve to be king? And I think it's really interesting that this quickly we've made that turn where it seems like a month ago, Westeros would have been like, we don't even know if he deserves, we don't even know if he should be king by like the rules. Like wasn't Rhaenyra supposed to be? And now it's like, now we've accepted this, but he's a little piece of shit and should he be king? So if if I'm Sir Eric and I've experienced Aegon, the prince, performing all these horrible acts with children and raping servants, and mm-hmm. my other option for worthy heir, who is actually the named heir, Princess Rhaenyra, is a woman who has consensual sex for pleasure. Who Who is our more worthy ruler? Well, and they both have a bunch of bastards. What do we think about Aegon's sworn sword and sworn protector, Eric? Just like noping out of King's Landing. I really like to see the teams forming right now because theoretically, you know me, I'm a big arc guy. So I like to see people switching teams, forming teams. And I like to know who's on whose side. You like Survivor. Yes, I know. Yeah, I like Survivor. So I, I want to see alliances. And so the thing for me that it says that Arik is staying loyal and Eric is jumping ship. I think one, it tells me that Eric knows a lot of shit. So much shit that he's like, nah, son, this guy shouldn't be king. Yeah, no, for sure. It also sets up twins on either side, which is fucking cool. And we know that that was a thing in the books, which is awesome. I think this opens up to issues. Yeah. Arik can go kill Eric and stand in his place and then go tell and vice versa. Oh, yeah. This is problems. Yeah. If I'm Rainier, yes. I'm like, thanks, buddy. See ya. Oh, yeah, you're too dangerous. Or like, or at least, or at least give him a nice like scar or, or make him wear his hair different or something. Yeah, cut off a finger prestige style. Yeah. For those that haven't seen prestige, stop listening to this podcast and go see the prestige. So Masaria is back and we're still a little mad that the writers made her do that accent. Oh, yeah. Don't know what's going on there. Um, but in previous episodes, we've talked about seeing more from the small folk. And in this episode... Masaria is calling out like issues in the city um, (laughs) with this child fight club. Do you like the subplot? Do you think that this is the small folk storytelling we've been looking for? I don't know if it's the storytelling I've been looking for. I, I would like, and there are stories that do this well, where they're sort of like, let's, let's follow all the cool characters and the important characters. And let's side note, follow a different character who's sort of outside this realm. I'll give a a call out to A League of Their Own, uh, the TV show on Amazon, does a really good job of this, 
where they they follow the rock for the peaches with the main story and then follow a a separate person on a side story that initially seems unrelated. And and I think they do a really good job of showing you like, yeah, here's the main characters, but here's this other storyline we're going to follow. I do think we could benefit from some humanized characters that are small folk. We don't seem to get that. The small folks seem like a bunch of fucking barbarians. Yeah, I don't think it helped me very much to see like these these fight clubs would not exist if nobody like attended them or 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 bet their monies on them. So yes, this is yes. just showing me a side of the fo- small folk that are like, I don't give a shit if you have a terrible leader because you're terrible. What does it all matter? Listen, Nicole, if you're not at the whorehouse having an orgy, what else are you going to do? You're going to swing down and watch a bunch of kids with teeth filed and, and nails grown out so they could kill each other. It's way more compelling for a politician to talk to the mother who's trying to feed three children on her own than the mother no. who's like 50 bucks on the blonde one. <laughs> well, and they they go to uh, Silk Road, um, but they only meet whores. They only meet poor people. They only, yeah. I, like, are there actually good people in King's Landing? Like, is there a nice dude somewhere? And to that a nice end, Eamon's like, I've got an idea of of who my brother is. I know him. This is where we're going to find him. And he goes to the whorehouse. I think he was just trying to visit the lady he had sex with. The one lady. She definitely took his virginity, For right? For sure. But he was just trying to visit yeah. her. He was just trying to... I, I do not think he had any idea. He was just making his play to the bulldog. Listen. Do you think he was winking to her under his eye patch the entire time. <laughs> we're not getting a small folk action. We're only seeing really yeah. shitty small folk. I will say though, seeing shitty small folk and then seeing people that Masaria sort of connects with and works with, which are scammers and and spies. What I do think it sets us up for is that the people are fickle and after a dragon kills a bunch of them a little bit later on in this episode, um like how do the small folk react? When they're like, listen, we just we're, we're shitty people. We're living pretty shitty lives. And now the kings are having dragons fucking mess with us at a coronation. They're not doing anything to make it better. And I think they're ha- them having the dragons show up every once in a while to remind them whose boss is not such a bad thing. I don't think they should be killing people, but it probably affirms their power. And do you do you think Masaria is serving them like because she she sort of fights for them a little the bit people. and she's like, oh, you got to shut down. Do you think she's really fighting for the small folk or do you think she's just doing like she's just trying to help herself? I think that she found her niche and that she's just looking for she found her value in the realm and she's capitalizing on it. Yeah. And I, I don't think she's serving any one specific thing but herself and the highest bidder yeah 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 true so do you think she's still alive because we definitely saw her house get burned down yes because she was the fucking entire screen when i turned on the episode there's no way that you bring her back to kill her but i've been wrong before the freaking crab daddy yeah i want to give her more time to work on that accent (laughs) No. <laughs> and again, I don't think it's her fault. Uh, when I when I hear shitty accents, I always remember that there's a director that made that choice. There's a writer that probably indicated the type of accent. There's translators and speech coaches and, and all sorts of shit. We've certainly seen her in other stuff, and she's very good. And I, I think she sells the emotion. It's just the. the word. Oh, for sure. It's just the, yeah. Absolutely. With just like head tilts, similar to the way yeah. Amon's actor 
Yeah, last week, barely did anything. And eye movements, one eye movement, yeah. like little <laughs> smir like moves of the, the corners of his mouth. Yeah, she's doing a lot with a little, for sure. So once Aegon is finally stuffed into a nice suit and carriage, he complains to Alicent that his father never wanted him to be king, which is true. Yeah. He only starts <laughs> believing Alicent when she shows him the prophecy dagger. What about the dagger was... So important to him. This one, I don't know. Yeah, I, the only thing I can think here is that at some point he caught his dad and Rhaenyra like talking about it or playing with it. Like, mm, OK, we've seen like uh, him putting it in the fire, or, like King Viserys putting it in the fire and showing messages. But I don't or maybe he heard about that. It seems to me like I, I'm really stretching here on this one, but I don't without him having heard the prophecy. The only thing that I think he knows about the dagger is that his dad carried it around a lot and someone taking it like off his corpse and giving it to him. I don't know the significance there. It, what, can you find anything there that I'm, I'm missing? I mean, I know we're, we'll, we'll talk about royal objects later this episode. But yeah, this one seems kind of kind of weird to me to stretch. I, I think, you know, your point about him seeing his father with it is he seems to have a longing for his father and his mother's love and acceptance. I suspect that maybe he's pulled out from that prayer circle hole. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't think it really hits him that his father is actually passed until he sees okay. that he's been separated from a dagger that he's always seen on his person or near his person. Oh, okay. Like, I can see that. I think that. it finally hits him that. that his dad is really gone. Yeah, I think I think that may be something there, Nicole. I think when you... When you associate someone with like a piece of jewelry or a locket yeah. or like a, a favorite jacket or something, then when you see that object alone, it's like, oh, yeah. you suddenly recognize it didn't, it, the person. it didn't matter that yeah. she said he said it anymore. As much as he sat there and he's like, no, he didn't. <laughs> he never yeah. said that. I don't think he was saying it in the way like, but tell me he did. Like, make it real. Yeah. I think it was like, no, he didn't. But... This could be real for me. Yeah, this is the thing that my my father carried mm -hmm. this. I can carry this like my father. Yep. Um, but then when he does get coronated and mm -hmm. once the crowd starts cheering for him, he sort of has a moment. I think as he walks through the swords, they have the big sword moment. I think he starts to realize the importance of this. He looks like a strung out meth addict. They just like plucked off the side of the does. road. It's. Here's your new king, everyone. So much credit to the actor. But I think as he walks through the swords, he starts to realize, OK, this is serious now. And then when the crowd cheers, which is kind of delayed because he gets crowned and then it's kind of quiet and weird for a second. And I think it's Otto who's like second of his name. Right. And then the crowd goes wild. I think he kind of gets like fucking hype. It wasn't Otto. It. it was Kristen. Right. Oh, Chris, yeah. Which I thought even was fucking, fucking weird. Even less authority. Yeah. yeah, even less. None of them should be saying that shit. The Lord Commander of the King's Guard does announcements now? Yeah. Stand your post. Keep the guy safe from, you know, I don't know, dragons coming up from the floorboards. Nicole, he hasn't aged a day in 20 years. Let the man talk. Fabian, <laughs> you are a beautiful man, but shut the fuck up. Do you think that he sort of can recognize the moment where he gets cheered? And it's sort of like it, it seems to click for him like, hey, they love me. They really like me. Finally in his life. Right. Yeah. What do you think that tells us about like what kind of king he may be? You know, I think it's so crazy how these rich, privileged, 
in line to the throne children can just be like, I feel so alone. Nobody loves me. Nobody's paying attention to me. <laughs> it's, it's pathetic. Yeah. Do you, th- do you think he, he has the chance to be a, like a king for the people? Like, do you think he has a chance to sing? He does know them. Like he doesn't seem to be friends with lords and ladies. Right. He seems to be friends with prostitutes and whores. Right. Do you think like he can be kind of a king for the common folk? Mm. It's an interesting notion. I mean, they know him for who he is. If they're cheering for him, they're accepting that. So maybe he's a relatable. Oh, that's true. They know he's the relatable yeah. king. Aegon the relatable. Yeah. He loves betting on kids killing each other just like me. <laughs> exactly. There's gotta be some guy in the crowd who's like, I know that dude. Like we watch kids kill each other together. That guy's great. <laughs> you remember that <laughs> so, one time? That being said, the coronation in general, and and before we get to Renace. That coronation in general, really fucking cool, right? Like, that was a cool scene. It was a cool scene. And I think uh, we had some brotherly animosity. Amon spends a bunch of time with Kristen Cole this episode, as we talked about. Yeah. He thinks he's fit for a king and he wants it. And that differentiation for him is really important. Do you think he's a better choice than Aegon? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Agreed. Wanting it is probably like part of this. Part of, yeah, I think you got to want it. I think that'd be helpful. I think to your point, he's shooting them fucking daggers. And then he he like takes forever to give like the respectful head nod. He doesn't either. I, I It's a barely detectable movement if there's movement at all. It's barely there. Do you, What is he going to do now? So he bragged a lot about I, I studied the blade. Philosophy. I looked at the history books. Yeah. Philo- so he, he went through the shit. But why was he giving an interview to Kristen? Go on. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, is Kristen, he the recruiter? You- like, hey, hey, HR lady, can you get me in with the hiring managers? Kristen, you haven't aged in 20 years. In the last 10, <laughs> I've grown Are you 20. A vampire? Let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> I think that what I'd like to see, let me be specific about what I'd like to see. And I think they're taking enough differences from the books where even though I know some of the things he does in the book, now I don't trust him as much. I don't trust that those things will still occur. I think that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. I want to be surprised. I have been surprised. I like that. So I'm not saying like, oh, this is what happens in the book and this is what I would like to say. Just based on this episode alone and and maybe young Amon saying like, oh, I'd marry my sister if I have to. I think Amon is the type that maybe Damon wish he were. And by that, I mean this. Damon at one point yelled at Viserys, why wouldn't you make me hand? And Viserys is basically like, because you're a fucking lunatic. <laughs> I think Aemond could make the same request of Aegon. And he's too young right now. Ooh. But I could see Aemond being like, make me your hand. I'm going to go win a bunch yeah. of fucking wars with my dragon. I know how to run a country. I could see Aemond saying, listen, let me run this thing. I'm ready. I'm prepped. You wear the crown and I'll go take care of business um, and sort of be, you know, the king behind the king. Right. Mm -hmm. So I I would I don't know if that's likely. It's what I'd like to say, because he again, he's creepy as shit winning in like a cool way. But he does make a compelling case that like he's done the work. He's prepared. So let him run shit. Do do you think he's going to be loyal to Aegon and kind of be his right hand man? Or do you think there's rumblings afoot here like Damon v Viserys. I feel like this depends on Allison and or Otto because if we think about what we know okay. about Aegon and Amon's relationship, 
Viserys and Damon worshipped each other as brothers, as as children. Mm-hmm. They were not directly. They were very indirectly in line for the throne. And so yes, that's there was true. never that's true. this like king animosity as they grew up. They they truly loved each other. I do not think that is the case for these two. It's a really good point. That's a really good point. Would it be hard? So in my like cool scenario of Damon running around and being like the the real king without the crown, kind of like he's the prime minister to the, you know, Queen Elizabeth Aegon. Yeah. In that scenario, is Aemon comfortable not getting any of the credit and his shitty brother is? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good point. Well, as that coronation is going on. <laughs> our new queen. Our new queen, Helena, is there and she kind of does the nod and the head wave and shit, too. She looks ashamed. She does. She looks bummed. She looks so like, ashamed. She doesn't look like she's happy to be there. And if you think about it, you asked me earlier if we think that Aegon is going to be the people's king. Mm-hmm. If you think about all the horrible things he's done and then you've got this neurodivergent. Like, think about how the servants even treated her. They're like, yes, princess. Like, no, yeah. she, there's not going to be a there are not going to be she's not going to be a queen of the people because the people are going to think her strange. Um, so yeah, I think this looks cruel. I think that, you know, I think that a lot of the excuses that Targaryens get for marrying their kin is that they were in love or whatever. That is not the case here. Um, and I think it looks way worse. I don't know if they're going to capitalize on that or talk about that or even address that in this, but she does have a prophecy, uh, so to speak, or philosophy, even if you will, in this episode, uh, she recites to her handmaiden, it is our fate, I think, to crave always what is given to another. If one possesses a thing, the other will take it away. I mean, I don't know if this is like a future telling as, as so much as the others were as just like, a. Yeah, this one's just kind of like you'd find this one in a fortune cookie <laughs> in bed. Like <laughs> it is our fate, I think, to crave always what is given to another. If one possesses a thing, the other <laughs> will take it away in bed. <laughs> in bed. I do think when when you first pointed this one out to me, what I kind of thought about here was not not the obvious Iron Throne. I thought about it in terms of of the, the, the stuff. And we'll talk a little bit later of like when they announce making Aegon the King, it's try to, what stuff can we give him to make him look official, which crown, which sword. And so this sort of craving, I don't look at as the authority of the throne. I look at it as the perception of the mm-hmm. authority of the throne, which is, yeah, I want to, because for example, what we assume will happen next episode is that Rhaenyra is going to declare herself queen. That's an assumption we can probably make, but she's a Dragonstone. And although the Dragonstone throne is cool, we've seen Danny sit on it. There is something to be said of saying, I'm the ruler of the Seven Kingdoms. And I ha- like this reads to me like when they go like, oh, possessions, nine tenths of the law. <laughs> like, that's what I read this as is like, if you have all the stuff that says you're in charge, then you're in charge. Yeah. And someone else will want that stuff. And that is the Iron Throne. That is the Red Keep. That is the conqueror's crown. All the shit. Yeah. Nicole, I tell you who looked like they were in charge at the end of this episode, which was fucking Rainey's. She takes over the whole episode. She puts Allison in her place twice. Yeah. So Allison initially tries to win over her support. She doesn't back Aegon, but does ask Allison if she's ever considered herself on the Iron Throne. What do you think her play was there? 
all-female alliance? First, one that would be cool. Um, <laughs> it never works on Survivor or Big Brother. Uh, it eventually falters, which is really sad. Science. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, does does Big Brother and Survivor not make a compelling argument for how social groups work? Um, first, and I know this was in one of the trailers, I think, but we didn't know the context. When Rainey's like whispers in her ear, have you never thought yourself like on the Iron Throne? Ooh, <laughs> chills. I was like, well, fuck, I have now. I've thought of myself on the Iron Throne now, Eve Best. Like, fuck. How do you watch Viserys deteriorate and think like, yeah, I want to sit there too. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that. But I, she was so seductive in that moment. And I don't mean like sexually. What I mean was like, it was a power play. It was like, how come you've never thought yourself to be in power? Which is a question we've kind of asked about a lot of these characters is how do they not realize that they could have autonomy or agency? So I felt like that was mm -hmm. Rainey's, not like, Allison, you should legitimately sit down on the Iron Throne. I thought that for me, this was her trying to tell Allison, yo, have some agency, bitch. Like, get your shit together and make some decisions that are best for you. And also... One of those is probably like what's best for you is probably like getting me out of here. That'd be cool. Like hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Remember, I'm the one that gave you agency. So even in the moment, she's trying to manipulate her. Mm. Like it's like, don't listen to him, other people. You make your own decisions. By the way, one of those decisions you should make. So that's how I read it as her trying to say, Allison, don't listen to what the council's telling you to do. Make your own fucking decision. And kind of hoping that that decision would be better than what the Green Council's decision is for Rainey's. Did you think that she was legitimately trying to make an alliance with Allison? Or did you think she was just trying to weaken the Green Council in some way? I think she wasn't. I don't think she was trying to weaken them. And I don't think that she was trying to make an alliance. I think she was doing the same thing for Allison that she tried to do for Rhaenyra years and years ago when Rhaenyra kind of went teenager on her and went, oh, my God, shut up. Rainies. <laughs> and which is to just impart her wisdom of what she's learned. Don't be the pawn of the men. Do the bidding yourself. Have your own mind. And I think this kind of helps Allison. I think it'll be really difficult for Allison to find a new identity, which is why likely this war will go on. So it's not like she's going to change her mind. But I think that she the, the things that she does from here on out because of that imparted wisdom are going to go through a new lens. They're going to be fil filled okay. through a new lens. Okay. Yeah. Which is, is this what I want? Is this what I would have done? In that same conversation though, Allison admits that Rhaenys should have been King over Viserys. Right. Like that was buttering her up. Right. Yeah. That's the way I read it. I, if she, I mean, if she thinks it great, but she didn't fucking do anything to help it. If you're trying to say, I legitimately believed, Nicole, I legitimately believed you should have been queen of Westeros and you got robbed. Mm -hmm. I have been queen for 30 some odd years now. I could have recommended you have a seat on the council. Never have. I could have recommended you have some autonomy. I could have done all of these things for you to show you that I respect you as a person who should be in power. And I've done none of those things because they just don't like women. What can you do? Well, remember, there's only one seat at the table for a woman and Allison was taking it. Yes. Yes. 
So at the end of the coronation, or to put an end to the coronation ceremony, <laughs> Rainey's bursts through the floor on Maylee's. She kills a lot of small folk, but decides not to roast Allison and her little traitors. Why do you think she didn't pull the trigger? I like what the actress said about this. Hmm. Uh, Eve Best has given a lot of interviews the last few days. And I think she's had some interesting thoughts on it. One of which is it's not Rainey's war. Hmm. It is Allison slash Aegon slash Otto v. Rhaenyra. Why would Rainey's be a kinslayer and murder the entire royal family so that someone else could take the crown? So like very similarly to Otto's reasoning for not wanting to just go kill Princess Rhaenyra because... He doesn't want his, like his name to be associated with it. Yeah. Okay. She's going to forever be the person who murdered an entire royal yeah. family who many people believe to be the rightful king. She will ruin the Valerian and, and possibly Targaryen. Again, there are a bunch she of Targaryens. She the Kinslayer kin. instead of the Kingslayer. Yeah, the Kingslayer. <laughs> For what? To her family too, to, in some degree, right? Yeah, exactly. To then just go back to Driftmark and keep doing what she was already fucking doing? Yeah. And and the actress pointed out also that there's like some moral implication there of like she sees a mother protecting her family. But although it would have been fucking cool and I know Reddit is like, that's ridiculous. She should have, you know, burned them alive and stopped the war. What war, motherfucker? You've read the books. You know, there's a war. As far as I know, Rainey's hasn't read Fire and Blood. <laughs> and Rainey's is just trying to get the fuck out of town yeah. on her dragon. So, but I think is that's I I agree with that. That's logic. part of it, right? She's showing Allison that a I'm out, bitch, and I've got my dragon. So yeah. fuck you, because she she does say to her in that conversation, Maylees will give us an edge. Yes. The other piece of that I think is I have the power to destroy you, and I am choosing what yeah. to do with that power. It is my choice, and I'm choosing not to blast you guys all away. You can make. A similar choice with your power. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So she sort of takes the high road. She, when they hit us low, we hit, we go high. She took the high <laughs> she, road here. She definitely took a page out of Michelle Obama's book. That's what I was going to say. Very Michelle mm -hmm. Obama-esque dragon. She's moment. got a new book out, guys. Anyway, oh. the other way that I think I see this going and probably a more Game of Thronesy way that this is going is she's not taking them out because she's pulling a Cersei. Let these two destroy each other. And then yeah. my opponent is smaller and weaker. Oh, I like that. I of all the people that would be good at playing a long game, I think it'd be Rainey's. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. So I know the Internet. There was a lot of like the free folk in particular on the subreddit hated it. They thought it was season eight vibes. Spectacle for spectacle's sake. So I, I think I addressed my I get why she didn't do it. And I understand. And she does not have the foresight of people who have read the book. So stop telling me she could have ended the war. The war that hasn't yet happened. What do they think the rest of this show would be about if she fucking lit them on fire? Yeah. Credits. The game's over. It so, would be like season eight. It would be yeah, the finale. Yeah, it would be the finale. <laughs> I think this is like you go back and you're like, why didn't Hitler's art teacher kill him? Motherfucker, he didn't know he was Hitler yet. Like, it didn't happen. World War II did not happen yet, right. dumbass. So I think there's that aspect. The other aspect of it, it, which I think is a legitimate concern, though, is was it spectacle for spectacle's sake? Couldn't she have just snuck out? And I will say this. 
you can acknowledge that a scene may have not fit your plot, your plot preferences. Yeah. And still acknowledge like, yo, that was cool. And for me, Rainey's sneaking into the coronation, sneak, watching some of it first. Like, let me get a load of what the fuck's happening here. Reading the room, sneaking out, putting on her badass mm-hmm. fucking armor, which looked incredible. Like a fucking stage costume change of Celine Dion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then bursting through the floor and scaring the shit out of Alice and her family. I am in like you do not imprison me. Yes. And I don't just sneak away into a rowboat. I'm fucking blasting my way out of here. No. Yeah, it was. You know, if if all these people didn't get what they wanted being the end of this series (laughs) in nine episodes, (laughs) then I don't really know what to tell people. Yes. Why didn't she burn them? Let's find out. Let's now that we have slowed down time pacing. Maybe, hopefully, please, God, maybe we can get to know these characters and understand this. This is compelling. This makes Rainice interesting, even more interesting. Yes. I don't think this, this is a, oh, man, fuck these people. They just wanted to make a blast scene. Maybe, but no, I don't think so. So Amond wants to be king like Simba dancing with giraffes. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the other people who are self-qualified for the throne and decide if we think they're better than Aegon. Okay. Amond. Yes. Yay. <laughs> Yay. I don't think he's better. But he's well read. <laughs> if nothing else, the library at the Red Keep would would fill up. I He's mentioned he's <laughs> read a lot. I, I could see Amond hanging out with a cat reading a book on a stormy night. Uh, what about you? Look out, older brothers everywhere. Don't tease your children. The king will come after you. Absolutely. Yes, I think he's better than Aegon. Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra. Uh, yes, better than Aegon. I think she's more sympathetic. Yeah. I mean, she's made some bad calls. Marrying Damon was a fucking good move. And producing a bunch of bastard children. But yeah, better than Aegon. He's a little shit. What do you think? More, more current uh, timeline. Rhaenyra, for sure. The mature version of Rhaenyra. I don't know what happened. I know motherhood does a number to people, but I think uh, current timeline, Rhaenyra is definitely more (laughs) desirable than King Aegon. Okay. What about Otto Hightower, the current hand of the king? I mean, yay, better than Aemond. Nay, I don't want him to be king. Yeah, I think the difficulty thing with, with Otto is that I do think he'd be better at running like the day to day of the kingdom. But I also think he's clearly like super fucking biased. I think King V called it out right. He's like, yo, I can't trust your judgment on certain shit because you're biased. I mean, he did the same thing. He's Tywin. Um, I just don't like him as much as Tywin, probably because I didn't get to spend as much time with him as I did with Tywin. And I didn't even get that much time with Tywin. That's true. That's about Lord Corliss. Corliss is overly ambitious hot-headed hot-headed but war oh yeah okay maybe you're talking me out of it now (laughs) um i do think though corliss really loves his wife and is an ally of the lgbt community i think Hmm. he he cares for his son he helps keep his son secret i mean he's not running around announcing you know that he has a gay son but he knows what his son is and it seems like he never judges him for it 
he does tell his wife that hopefully he'll grow out of it like it's a fucking wart oh well, that's true that's true uh yeah i'm gonna say no i think he's overly ambitious and, and maybe now you talk I me agree. out of it I, I think i think he's equal to or worse than egg on in different ways <laughs> yeah i think he's a better person but yeah. i think he'll be a work like a shittier sure. king what about though his lovely wife rainies yes hands down probably the best person on this list in my opinion huh i think you may be right i yeah i think rainies is probably the most suited for the throne and that may have been true since the entire time we've been watching the show absolutely not only is she well suited but she was technically actually the next in line oh that is true yeah i mean (laughs) Yeah, we go back to the very first scene of the show and they were literally like, this is the woman who most deserves it. But alas, no penis. No swinging dicks from Rainies. No swinging. No, poor Rainies. Allison Hightower. Huh. Yes, I think she would be better than Aegon. Okay. I think she would be controlled by her father and by the council, but... Her kid's a little shit, man. And I think she has way more sympathy than that that kid. I think you're right. But I do get like Septon vibes. Like, okay. And the oh, Septa vibes. Like ooh, very yeah. like high religion, extreme, like shaving heads, branding foreheads. Like I definitely feel those vibes. You know, mm. things don't happen quickly. <laughs> they They happen in an ascension so yeah <laughs> it, it won't seem weird until it's weird that is true that is true yeah it's a it's a slow crawl to insanity <laughs> <laughs> nicole we talked a little bit earlier about the stuff that sort of makes you look like a king there's a power in the things i have the iron throne behind me I have the sword. I have the crown. I have the strings of my silver hair clinging to my scalp. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There, this, this visual pomp and circumstance is important. And that is both true in the real world and in Westeros. Otto and Alicent make a big deal about making sure they have the right stuff. Baby. For Aegon. So in Westeros, there are several objects of power that you possess them you have a better claim um as king your legitimacy is just more sound Mm -hmm. um this episode allison plans Aegon's coronation and specifically tells otto that he will wear certain things he will have certain weapons why it will make him look more legit what it will affirm to the people what it will remind them of uh so let's talk about those items we've got the conqueror's crown this is a relatively simple looking crown but it's made of Valyrian steel. It was worn by Aegon after he conquered the Seven Kingdoms. The first few kings of Westeros wore it at one point or another, but Aegon's son, Aenys, made a much shinier gold crown when he took over. The crown that Viserys wore was made by Jaharis, two peacetime princesses. Aegon is wearing the OG Aegon crown, and it definitely sends a message. And Alicent very much knew that. Yeah, and I think the message there is is something that they call Viserys throughout this episode that we hadn't heard before is Viserys the Peaceful. V the P. And yeah, V the P, which isn't what it sounds like. But I think to your point, them putting the Conqueror's crown 
sends a very different message than him wearing his father's peaceful crown. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right about that. So she also demands that he hold black fire. Now, this is the Valerian steel sword that Aegon the Conqueror used and killed a lot of former kings of Westeros before it was yeah. united. <laughs> Blackfire may be the most important sign of power in the Seven Kingdoms. Aegon's first son, Aenys, wasn't much of a fighter, so he gave his half-brother, Magar the sword, and Magar ended up usurping the throne. So womp womp. <laughs> his claim largely based on just having the sword. Ever since the sword is passed down to the next direct heir, Considering how many people have bent the knee to that sword, it's almost like a relic, a mythical relic in Westeros culture. And when we talk about the dance of the like when we talk about Targaryen history, we talk about the dance of the dragons, which is what we're experiencing right now. One of the other big events throughout Targ Targaryen history is the Blackfire rebellions. And as you said, who owns the sword says a lot about who thinks who's in charge. And so the Blackfire rebellions are directly related to ownership of that that fancy sword. So Allison never actually calls for Cat's Paw in her recital of the list of things he should have, but she shows it to him in the carriage on the way to the coronation, which mm -hmm. kind of like shuts him up, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. In the books, King Viserys and Aegon the Carker, they never have the dagger. In A Song of Ice and Fire, it's just a MacGuffin because Arya used it to kill the Night King. The writers of Hot D have given it some weight. According to show lore, Aegon the Conqueror was given the dagger by his father, Arian, and so on. So the dagger has seemingly been passed down to each new Targaryen king, along with the prince that was promised. We're not sure the Westerosi people know anything about the dagger, but based on Aegon's reaction, it seems like the Targs view it as pretty important. Just as a fun note there, you mentioned that they've the writers have given the, the cat's paw dagger more weight. In the story, that's true. In real life, it's the opposite. They actually made it lighter than the original, and they they shrunk it a little bit because the original was a, a pretty hefty because it wasn't used that often. And so to make sure that everyone could sort of carry it around on their hilts throughout this one, they made a slightly smaller version. Uh, so it has more weight in the story, but less weight in the actual people's hands. Hopefully equal weight, you know, the hilt and the the blade. <laughs> Perfectly balanced, like all things should be. So... This didn't come from nowhere. This happens in real life, too, or real mythical life. Yes. <laughs> if you're an yes. anti-royalist. So our friends in the UK are avid listeners. Hi. Hi, guys. <laughs> I owe you a pint. They probably know the most about the crown jewels of the United Kingdom. Now, these change a lot over the years. So I want to focus on just like the sort of current big ones. Uh, so St. Edward's crown for example, is the current crown of choice for coronations. It was made in 1661, named after good old Edward the Confessor. Uh, it has, it's all in gold and it has 444 stones. That's amethyst, garnets, peridots, rubies, and other gems and stuff that I don't understand. So all of the horoscope gems they're just like yes representing yes. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah what gem represents your month it's probably <laughs> on the saint edward crown it went out of favor for a bit uh, for for a few years but uh george v who was grandfather of elizabeth ii uh, he brought it back into style and it has been used since that being said there there is a second crown which is the imperial state crown so this is less fancy and it's used for certain ceremonies outside of Westminster Abbey. 
this one's relatively young. It's only been around since the 1930s, but it is a copy of the one used by Queen Victoria. Nicole, you mentioned the Blackfire sword. There are swords used by Queen Elizabeth and soon to be her son, but they're not really used like in battles and shit. So there's three different ceremonial swords. There was the Sword of Mercy, which is also known as Kratana. That's a blunt sword. So it's not, it can't even really like cut cheese. Uh, there's the Sword <laughs> of Spiritual Justice. No one sharpened this thing in a while. Somebody call William Sonoma. <laughs> and there's also uh, the Sword of Temporal Justice. So spiritual justice and temporal justice apparently being two different things. Uh, so the fun fact is I had thought this during our research. I was like, oh, oh, cool. Which one is used for knighting? None of them is the answer. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II. She uses a sword that she inherited from her father, and he got that when he was a colonel in the Scots Guard. So it's not any of those fancy swords. All I can think about is him coughing up blood in the show, The Crown, and dying. Oh. He couldn't stop smoking. I would say spoiler alert, but that's like real life, y'all. That's history, y'all. Yeah, that's, read a book. I think he got like a lung transplant even. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Reading Rainbow, y'all. It's in a book. Uh, they also have a stave, <laughs> a staff, a mace, robes. There's even a royal spoon, which is my favorite of all the artifacts. Could you imagine Allison being like, send for Blackfire, get Aegon the Conqueror's crown, and the royal spoon? Is that like a metaphor, like the silver spoon thing? Like, he eats from <gasps> a silver spoon. That's like a great fucking question. <laughs> I don't know where that expression comes from. Yeah, maybe that is because they literally have royal silver is it spoons for when mary poppins comes is it a spoonful of sugar oh just a dabble do you is that that's not mary poppins <laughs> i don't fucking know um one lump or two yeah <laughs> in our research though i will say this uh, so we were uk based because they're our dear friends they're the sisters uh to our pod our favorite crown jewel here on the podcast though is actually from the old russian monarchy this is called the imperial crown of russia uh this was first used by catherine the great and later used by Nicholas the Deuce. And it has <laughs> 32,000 carats of diamonds. It's kind of got like a split center where it's kind of got like an area where it opens like a mouth. It looks badass. Highly recommend everyone look up the Imperial Crown of Russia. It'll be in the show notes. The really interesting thing about this one, too, is that during World War One, there was a revolution and the monarchy was overthrown. The only reason that this crown likely survived is because it was getting refurbished at the time. So it wasn't with Tsar Nicholas II. Oh, no way. And it was put into storage. So then many, many years later, it was uncovered. And the Russian uh, then uh, Communist Party tried to sell it, but thought that the French were underbidding them. So they were on like, eBay? I guess we'll just hold. <laughs> yeah, Do the French eBay. have an official account? Do they have the little check mark? Back in 1910. <laughs> uh oh, the French so no. were trying to haggle for so this. No. Yeah, so they they ended up holding on to it, and they made it to this day. And the Imperial Crown of Russia can be found on display in Moscow at the Kremlin Armory. So uh, check it out, folks. Fabulous. So it's time for the lightning round, where our producer prepares questions from the internet. First up, true or false? Rainis murdering lots of small folk has ruined the show, and Sarah Hess needs to be fired. <laughs> False. false. I think false. I mean, she did murder lots of small folk, but she didn't ruin the show. I think killing small folk is a family tradition of the Targaryens and can be forgiven. What do you think? Agree. False. Next question. 
What do we think Dragon's Breath smells like? Because Allison and the kids, they get a, they get, whoo. So you know what I think of immediately is, you know how in Free Willy or like any whale show, they like open their mouths and they like toss the fish in and they like spray for like whistles. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that Dragon Breath is just like rotting fish smell. Honestly, what I think it probably smells like is like gasoline because they've got those two little (laughs) holes in their mouths that they shoot the spray out of. And then that's like what they set on fire. So I imagine it's like like after you've put gas in your car, you know, like if you ever smelled your hands, I think is what it smells like. Your hands. I think you're pumping your gas wrong. You grew up in New Jersey. You, you had someone pump your gas. You were royalty. I lived in New Jersey. I didn't grow. I'm familiar with the concept of having someone else pump your gas. Queen Next Nicole. true or false, Corliss returns in the season finale. Oh, I hope so. True. True. I hope. I'm going to wish this one into existence. I want to see him survive. Yeah, I say true, too. Let's swing back to Kristen Cole. Do you think <laughs> he has fucked anyone since he had that rendezvous with with Rhaenyra way back in like episode three, 30 years ago? Absolutely not. So is he like born again? Is he for sure? Uh, he's regained impression. his virginity. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Especially his like meekness at the brothel door. Yes, absolutely. Do you think oh. he's had sex with anyone? Even in his mind? No, Every I don't think he has. Every woman is the image of the mother. It should be spoken of as such. No, that I don't. I think he's definitely born again. Our producer has said that Kristen Cole looks like a guy who doesn't jerk off, and I buy that. He does yeah. look all pent up. Well, that's where you, where the rage comes from, right? You got to release. Yeah. All right. <laughs> next up, over under. Aegon and Hel- Helena have had sex two times. Oof. I'm gonna take the over, but like by two. I think he's he's once. I think he with Aegon. Seeing how drunk he is, seeing how like on crack he is, whatever he's into, I imagine he's accidentally fucked Helena a few times by just like wandering into the wrong room. So I'm going to take the over, but not by much. Just yeah. accidental fucking. I'm going to say uh, they had twins. So once just for the sake of <gasps> oh. Helena, because I don't oh. want her to have to endure that. She shouldn't have to. Oh, that's OK. I want to change my answer for poor Helena. <laughs> you can't yeah, I'm do going that. with you. Next one. <laughs> True or false? Amond is the father of those kids, not Aegon. Doing his duty. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. I, I like this. True. I'll go true, too. I That look that the old brothel woman was giving Aemon told me that Aemon knew what he was doing, even as a young man. And oh. Yeah. I, I think Aemon can, can give See. it. She'd like to go there again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Up next, are we annoyed that the show made the one disabled character also have a kink related to his disability? Oh, I do think it is interesting that a man who has a fucked up foot that has tortured him his whole life mm-hmm. is like, hey, I like seeing some pretty feet. I think that makes perfect sense to me. Like if I was missing my hands and had no hands or let's say I, I all my fingers are cut off in a terrible Westerosi fishing accident and you came fresh from getting a mani and were showing off your nails, I think I could go like, oh, those are really like, hey, I don't have fingers. Those are really nice nails. I think it's the same way men like breasts because we don't have them. So the club foot is into feet because he doesn't have good feet. I think this makes sense. I'm not annoyed by it now. What about you? I think if people um, who have disabilities are annoyed by this, that they we should honor that. I think that that's fine. 
I am really I was really looking to like this character enjoy this character I think this kind of like like wrote him off for me like okay this guy sucks and I think I wanted more redeeming factors redeeming qualities to his character and this just made him way worse What's the word? We've seen a lot of weird shit, though, in our time with Game of Thrones oh, and geez. in our time. Repressed. What's the weirdest fetish we've seen so far in Westeros? The weirdest kink. I mean, having sex with someone who doesn't want to have sex with you is disgusting and weird fetish. Um, oh, OK. Yeah. But I can't think of any weird, weirdy, weird ones. What about you? I don't like the fact that Littlefinger would make girls fuck while he talked and pontificated. Oh. By being like, let me tell you about my plans. Chaos is a ladder and you could climb the ladder and I've been fighting. And then his accent would change halfway through oh, the scene. I love L- his accent change. No, listen. I loved every fucking thing that that character did, even when he died. If you brought in a bunch of ladies to fuck, pay attention. Last question. You have one bullet. Kristen or Lyris, who's getting it? Oof. Can I do like the office where I line up Kristen, Laris, and Toby? Pick one. And I shoot them through the throat? Pick one. That's not an option. You don't like Toby? Go on. Answer the question. (laughs) Toby's the worst. Okay, Michael. So this is my answer here. Kristen. Same. Same? Okay, yeah. So why for you? Why Kristen? I think that he's more out of control, more violent. Yeah. More evil. Laris doesn't actually do the things. He just orders the things. Kristen does the things. Yeah. Little to no remorse. Yeah. And like no regard for what could happen. Like for all we know, you killing Beesbury ruined our fucking plan, idiot. Yeah. I think Laris is more murderous, but more reasonable. Yeah. And I think, I think Kristen's a loose cannon. Nicole, it is time to pick our heir of the episode. Uh, The Greens have made their choice (laughs) loud and clear. Rhaenyra or Aegon, who are you backing? I'm still with the intended heir. The dying King Viserys, Princess Rhaenyra is my, she's my queen. She's my queen. Yeah, I'm with Rhaenyra too. I do think that Aegon being crowned first is does make it complicated. I think it's one of those things that, because now it doesn't look like it's Princess Rhaenyra versus Prince Aegon. Even the talk is going to be, well, it's King Aegon versus Queen Rhaenyra. And even in those two terms, it sounds like king is higher than queen because we play chess, baby. And that's how that works. Um, so um, I think it does her a disservice. In chess, but, the queen is arguably more powerful than the king. Yeah, but when the king dies, you you lose. Fine. Yeah. Also, I'm terrible at chess, so I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> we we saw the trailer going for for our next episode, which is titled The Black Queen. What are you most looking forward to? The season finale. I want to know, are episodes nine and ten concurrent? Or does it start with Rainey's going to Dragonstone and continuing from there? I want to know. Oh. I'm dying to know if we're continuing the story or if we're staying. Yeah. Okay. So like while we're learning about the Greens finding out his death in episode nine, yeah. are we then doing the same thing yeah, at the same exactly. time? And okay. Oh, that's really interesting. What are you looking forward to? With Rainey's ruining the coronation, I want to see what the Greens' response is. Because I think the way things are playing out, the Greens were at least going to make maybe a shallow offer to Rhaenyra. But with Rainey's like killing a bunch of small folk, threatening them with her dragon, does that change things? So I'm curious to see the Green response to 
Rainies. Same. I just hope that uh, you don't have to wait until next season. Oh, yeah. Season finale coming up. I am just honestly grateful to be back in Westeros. I love the story. I love this world. Give me more. There are things that can be done that would turn me off. There have been things done in Game of Thrones that were a turn off. I'm not worried. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm just enjoying the ride. I am a little bummed that that it's going to be over for a bit because I don't think they haven't started filming season two yet. Honestly, it's been, you know, three years since Game of Thrones. They've had a lot of time to build out House of the Dragon, whatever time that I want them to take whatever time that they need to do what they did this season again. Nicole, thank you so much for joining me in the penultimate episode of season one uh, and talking House of the Dragon with me. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Please join us next week, everyone, for episode 10 of House of the Dragon, the season finale titled The Black Queen. Check out our Twitter feed at It's Not TV Pod for further details about our podcast and to connect with our community. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. A very special thank you to our producer, Matt Malone. It's Not TV is a production of Bruit Media. We wish you good fortune in the pods to come. that in our meeting with our whole company. <laughs> you know, I've heard we just are great for God's sake.